episode number three. Welcome back. Today, we are jumping right into 1st Nephi chapter 3. Quick recap of where we are in the Book of Mormon. Chapter 1, we heard about Lehi and his family in Jerusalem. Lehi had a series of visions instructing him that he was to preach to the people in Jerusalem of their wickedness and ask them to repent. The people were then attempting to kill him for doing that. He was then warned to leave Jerusalem, which he did with his family. In chapter two, we read about his family leaving Jerusalem, and now they are out in the wilderness, in the Valley of Lemuel, as we discussed last time. Today, we're going to be reading in chapter three to learn about what happens next. Grab a Book of Mormon, grab a pencil, make sure that you're following along with us and writing down notes, highlighting words that you don't understand, any questions that you might have, make sure you're marking them as we go and follow along. Dave also usually comes with a few good nuggets of Bible verses and other things that we can have you write down as well. Just as a reminder, when we go to read in the scriptures, you'll be hearing this sound. When you hear that sound, that's going to tell you that the next words you hear are scripture. When you hear this sound, That's when we're chiming in with our own thoughts and our own explanations of what's going on. All right, so let's dive in. Sounds great. Here we go. 1 Nephi chapter 3, verse 1. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, returned from speaking with the Lord to the tent of my father. And it came to pass that he spake unto me, saying, Behold, I have dreamed a dream in the which the Lord hath commanded me that thou and thy brethren shall return to Jerusalem. Eric, I'm just going to interject there once again. The Lord's communicating to his prophet through a dream or through a vision. Absolutely. Another thing that I love from this first verse of this, if you remember back to chapter two, we heard that Nephi needed to have his heart softened. It said that he had to soften his heart by going to prayer to the Lord. And then he receives revelation from the Lord. I love in verse one of chapter three, where it says that he returned from speaking with the Lord, just almost so casually as one does, go and have a conversation with the Lord and come on right back. So I love that. And yes, another dream. Checking back in in verse three. For behold, Laban had the record of the Jews and also a genealogy of my forefathers, and they are engraven upon the plates of brass. A couple things here. We're being introduced to two things in this verse. One is Laban and two are plates of brass. I know that in previous episodes, we've talked about the plates of brass. There is a distinction between the plates of brass, which is what Nephi and his brothers are going back to to collect. Part of the Book of Mormon includes writings from the plates of brass. Yes. There are also the plates of gold or the golden plates. Those are the plates that Mormon and Moroni compiled and abridged all these other writings onto. So just, there is a distinction, plates of brass and plates of gold. Go back to the first episode of First Nephi chapter one, we delved into that a little bit deeper to talk about the different plates that were collected to write the Book of Mormon. Laban, we're going to find out, is a relative of Lehi's, but we'll find out more about that here as you keep reading. Perfect. Thank you. Jumping in in verse four. Wherefore, the Lord hath commanded me that thou and thy brother should go unto the house of Laban and seek the records and bring them down hither into the wilderness. And now behold thy brother's murmur, saying it is a hard thing which I have required of them. But behold, I have not required it of them, but it is a commandment of the Lord. Therefore go, my son, and thou shalt be favored of the Lord, because thou hast not murmured. Okay, quick thing. So the plates of brass, and we discussed this a little bit in the first episode of the podcast. The plates of brass have the record of the Jews, it says here. And we come to learn later that the plates of brass have the first five books of Moses, right? And you outlined what those were. 
Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. There you go. Thank you. And uh, also some of the writings of Isaiah are also in there, and we learn that in later chapters as well. And then the genealogy of the forefathers is also an important part of this. The history of the this particular family line as it got down to Lehi was also included in that. So obviously very important, and we get to more reasons why it's important later on in the chapter. Perfect. Jumping in in verse 7. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, said unto my father, I will go and do the things which the Lord hath commanded, for I know that the Lord giveth no commandments unto the children of men, save he shall prepare a way for them, that they may accomplish the thing which he commandeth them. And it came to pass that when my father had heard these words, he was exceedingly glad, for he knew that I had been blessed of the Lord. And I, Nephi, and my brethren, took our journey in the wilderness with our tents to go up to the land of Jerusalem. And it came to pass that when we had gone up to the land of Jerusalem, I and my brothers did consult one with another, and we cast lots, who of us should go in unto the house of Laban. And it came to pass that the lot fell upon Laman, and Laman went in unto the house of Laban, and he talked with him as he sat in his house. Quick note here, casting lots. Old-fashioned yes. language for drawing straws, just kind of a random who gets to do what. Yes, in my research on that, I've discovered that we don't truly know the exact mechanism of what it meant. It was meant to be a random type of selection. I also saw in some of my research that this was often meant to be, let's turn the decision over to the Lord, was sort of the idea. Like, let chance prevail, and if God wants it to prevail in a certain way, he will make it prevail in that way. So, casting lots does actually have a slight spiritual connotation as well. Jumping back in, in verse 12. And he desired of Laban the records which were engraven upon the plates of brass, which contained the genealogy of my father. And behold, it came to pass that Laban was angry, and thrust him out from his presence, and he would not that he should have the records. Wherefore he said unto him, Behold, thou art a robber, and I will slay thee. But Laman fled out of his presence, and told the things which Laban had done unto us. And we began to be exceedingly sorrowful, and my brethren were about to return unto my father in the wilderness." Okay, a couple things here. We don't know a whole lot about Laban. We know that he was rich. We know that he was powerful. We know that he commanded servants and maybe even soldiers. We learn later on that Laban and Lehi are related, but we don't necessarily know what that relationship is. We do learn here that Laman was able to go and sit in Laban's house. So perhaps these are people who are familiar with each other and the family line that they come from, and that Laban was angry. So these are records that are, of course, a prized possession. These have been handed down through generations and generations and probably of immense value and worth, not just monetarily, but also intrinsically to the people that own them. And now to come and just say like, hey, you know, you know, you know, my dad, Lehi, we're going to go ahead and take those plates from you. You can understand why that might have brought the reaction it did from Laban. And before we jump back in, Eric, just a reminder of what was going on in Jerusalem at this time. In the previous episode, episode two, we read various verses from the book of Jeremiah that talked about some of the influences that were happening in Jerusalem at that time. Liars, immorality, greed, a whole bunch of different things, which again, influenced Laman and Lemuel and certainly could have influenced Laban as well. Absolutely. Another thing I want to point out here is that Laban, we're kind of seeing that he is he's not a righteous man. This is somebody, when Laman came and asked for the plates, he was accused of being a robber. And then of course, Laban jumped straight into, and I will slay thee. An important part of context here is that a robber or a robbery or being a robber in 
ancient Jerusalem was a capital offense, something that somebody could be killed for. So not only was Laban saying, literally, I'm going to kill you, but by calling him a robber says that even by law, then I'm justified in doing so. Great context. That's awesome. All right. Jumping back in, in verse 15. But behold, I said unto them that as the Lord liveth and as we live, we will not go down unto our father in the wilderness until we have accomplished the thing which the Lord hath commanded us. One thing that we we just read is as the Lord liveth and as we live. That was one of the highest or qualifying promises or oaths that one could swear by. You know, we could swear by an object, we could swear by an animal, we could swear by some some riches, but to swear by a living being was certainly the highest oath or the strongest oath that one could enter into. And we'll we'll see that going on in future chapters. We'll hear that again, as the Lord liveth and as we live, I promise to dot, dot, dot. That's as strong as a promise as one could make. So this is essentially covenanting his own life in accomplishing this goal. Exactly. Okay, jumping back in, in verse 16. Wherefore, let us be faithful in keeping the commandments of the Lord. Therefore, let us go down to the land of our father's inheritance. For behold, he left gold and silver and all manner of riches, and all this he hath done because of the commandments of the Lord. For he knew that Jerusalem must be destroyed because of the wickedness of the people. For behold, they have rejected the words of the prophets. Wherefore, if my father should dwell in the land after he hath been commanded to flee out of the land, behold, he would also perish. Wherefore, it must needs be that he flee out of the land. And behold, it is wisdom in God that we should obtain these records, that we may preserve unto our children the language of our fathers, and also that we may preserve unto them the words which have been spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets, which have been delivered unto them by the Spirit and power of God since the world began, even down unto this present time." That was great. So verse 15 through 20, all of that is Nephi speaking to his brothers and giving them not just the reasons why they need these brass plates, but a plan by which they might get them. So the reasons why they need it. First, he says, the Lord hath commanded us. He says that in verse 15. Reason number two, that we may preserve unto our children the language of our fathers. Imagine going out into the wilderness, having children, having families, and having no way to show them written records or any sort of books or any sort of documents. That could be extremely difficult to teach children language and preserving language in that way. And then number three, that we may preserve unto them the words which have been spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets. Of course, this is, we don't want to go out into the wilderness not having any written language, and of course, not having any written words of the prophets that we can use to teach ourselves, to remind ourselves, to teach our children, to teach each other. Those are the three reasons. The Lord commanded it, preserve language, and preserve the written record of the prophets. Let me interject there. Also, going back to verse 3, it says that the brass plates contain the record of the Jews, so a history, as well as genealogy, so the lineage. And one thing that I thought was interesting, that they wanted to go back and get these records, like you mentioned, One, to preserve the language and also to preserve the words of the prophets. When one follows the words of the prophets and follows the word of God, he or she is blessed. That, I think, is so important to make that connection. So what if we have the words of the prophets? It's because if we follow those commandments and counsels, we will be blessed. And as we heard promised in both of the previous chapters that we've read, 
if you are righteous, you will prosper. And this, of course, is an incredibly trying time for this family. The prosperity that they seek is dependent upon their righteousness. So they're very anxiously engaged in getting these books. So there are the reasons. Now there's the plan. The plan, right? We remember reading about Lehi leaving everything behind that he had, all the gold, all the silver, all the riches, all the wealth, all the land, all of the house, everything that he had, leaving it all behind to go follow in faith what the Lord was commanding. So now it's all still there. And Nephi says, guys, he accused us of being robbers because we didn't bring him anything. We just asked for something. Now let's go and bring what we have and see if we can buy it from him. So that's the plan. Now let's see how it turns out. Pretty good pep talk by Nephi to his brothers. Indeed. Jumping back in in verse 21. And it came to pass that after this manner of language did I persuade my brethren that they might be faithful in keeping the commandments of God. And it came to pass that we went down to the land of our inheritance, and we did gather together our gold and our silver and our precious things. And after we had gathered these things together, we went up again unto the house of Laban. And it came to pass that we went in unto Laban, and desired him that he would give unto us the records which were engraven upon the plates of brass, for which we would give unto him our gold and our silver and all our precious things. And it came to pass that when Laban saw our property, and that it was exceedingly great, he did lust after it, insomuch that he thrust us out and sent his servants to slay us, that he might obtain our property. And it came to pass that we did flee before the servants of Laban, and we were obliged to leave behind our property, and it fell into the hands of Laban. And it came to pass that we fled into the wilderness, and the servants of Laban did not overtake us, and we hid ourselves in the cavity of a rock. And it came to pass that Laman was angry with me, and also with my father, and also was Lemuel, for he hearkened unto the words of Laman. Wherefore Laman and Lemuel did speak many hard words unto us, their younger brothers, and they did smite us even with a rod. And it came to pass, as they smote us with a rod, behold, an angel of the Lord came and stood before them. And he spake unto them, saying, Why do ye smite your younger brother with a rod? Know ye not that the Lord hath chosen him to be a ruler over you, and this because of your iniquities? Behold, ye shall go up to Jerusalem again, and the Lord will deliver Laban into your hands. And after the angel had spoken unto us, he departed. And after the angel had departed, Laman and Lemuel again began to murmur, saying, How is it possible that the Lord will deliver Laban into our hands? Behold, he is a mighty man, and he can command fifty. Yea, even he can slay fifty. Then why not us? All right, there was a lot of goodness there to cover, but let's cover a couple of things. Okay, at the beginning of that, they take the gold, they take the silver, they take the precious things, they go into Laban. Laban sees it all. He's like, wow, that's a lot of money. I'm going to take it all. So he goes to take it all and again tries to kill them and this time actually sends people to chase them out to slay them. Uh, so that tells you the mindset and the, the wickedness of Laban. So they make it out back into the wilderness, it says, and they hide in the cavity of a rock, at which point Laman and Lemuel have their just sort of existential crisis. One of the things that I want to point out here is how just human this moment is. Okay, Laman and Lemuel, we learned before that they weren't excited about this journey into the wilderness. They didn't necessarily believe in the visions of their father. So here they are. They've been told to leave out of just pure obedience to their father. They go and they leave. They leave behind all their gold, all their silver, all of their inheritance, all of their wealth, just everything that was important and precious to them was left behind. And they were already grieving about that. Then they're told, okay, this journey that we've taken into the wilderness, 
this is dependent upon us getting this, these plates of brass. These are incredibly important to us and the success of this journey. So they're talked into going back to get it. They've already been frustrated in that endeavor. Now they're told, if we give away all of these things that were so precious to you, all of this wealth, all of everything we own, all of our precious things, let's give it away and then we'll get the plates of brass, which is so important to this journey that we're going on. And now here they are at this moment and they have none of it. They, have, they don't have the plates of brass. They have no more gold, no more silver, no more anything. This is essentially that moment where they're coming to grips with the fact that everything that was important to them is gone. And now the thing that they've been told, if we sacrifice everything that's important, we'll have the plates of brass and we can succeed in the wilderness. And now they feel like they don't have that either. So you can understand just the human moment that's happening here and the dread that they're experiencing. Of course, Nephi is setting a much better example in this instance, where Nephi is refusing to give up in this situation in the face of all of this. Laman and Lemuel, of course, are reacting very strongly. It even says, beating him with a rod, smote us with a rod. I don't know exactly what that means. I imagine it's a stick of some kind and a very unpleasant thing to be smoten with. So then the angel comes and the angel says essentially what Nephi said earlier, which is, you go back, the Lord's going to provide a way. As you remember from back at the beginning of this chapter, Nephi saying, I will go and do the things which the Lord hath commanded, for I know that the Lord giveth no commandment unto the children of men, save he shall prepare a way for them that they may accomplish the thing which he commandeth them. Now, Nephi had already been blessed with that because he sought the Lord and it softened his heart. Laman and Lemuel are now being reminded by a literal angel standing in front of them that this is in fact the case. It's awesome. Okay. There we are. So there there we we are. are. Finishing up chapter three. Dave, any final takeaways from this chapter? A couple. The first and foremost is what we read in verse seven. I will go and do the things which the Lord hath commanded. I just think that that's a great message. It gives us the motivation, the drive, the determination. And as we read in verse 15, Nephi made an oath. As the Lord liveth and as I live, we will not go back into the wilderness until we've accomplished that which we've been sent out here to do. So I really like Nephi's determination, um, even if he doesn't fully understand how. The other takeaway that I will point out here is They have the assignment to go back and get the plates. The first attempt is left to chance. They cast lots. It's kind of a random, we'll see what happens. Their second attempt is, hey, we've got an idea. Let's go try and buy it with our gold and silver and precious things. Yes. And that didn't turn out so well. The third thing that I want to point out here is that the angel says in verse 29, behold, ye shall go up again to Jerusalem and the Lord will deliver Laban into your hands. So the first time is by chance, second time is by human ideas, third time is by the Lord will provide a way. Oh, I love that progression. I didn't realize that, but that's a fantastic progression. Eric, what about you? What are your takeaways? My takeaway from this chapter is the hope that comes from following the Lord. Nephi's testimony that he will go and do what the Lord commanded because the Lord provides a way. And then the angel coming and saying, the Lord will provide a way. All of this is to say that the Lord does ask a lot of his followers. The commandments can be difficult for us to keep. Human nature is contrary to living the gospel truth, and it can be very difficult, but there is hope in being able to do it, and the Lord is there to help us. At the end of this chapter, verse 31, we see Laman and Lemuel, who have now just been spoken to by an angel, are still not finding that hope because they haven't found that connection with their savior. And that's the takeaway I have from this, is that as we follow the savior, and as we commit ourselves to doing what the Lord has commanded, we are given hope 
in all that can be accomplished as we do so. That's wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. All right, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you for listening. Join us again next time as we continue reading the Book of Mormon together. Quick disclaimer here, this podcast is not produced by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Everything expressed in this podcast is the opinion of the people making it, and it is not endorsed by the church or its leaders. Everything in this podcast is intended to promote faith in Jesus Christ by helping you understand the Book of Mormon. Please listen to this podcast with an open heart and pray for guidance from the Lord as you continue to read the Book of Mormon. Thank you for listening.